Hello, and thank you for listening to Renewables, a podcast by Biostar, which aims to explore the current and future energy landscape in America. Hello, and welcome back to Renewables. Thank you to all of our listeners and viewers, of course, week after week for tuning in. I'm your host, David Smart, our Chief Commercial Officer here at Biostar Renewables, and have the pleasure of speaking with Savannah Seidel, the VP of Sustainability at Better Earth today on the podcast. Savannah, thank you so much for making the time and for coming on the show. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm I'm really um, fascinated by your business and you uh, are working in an industry and in a space that is is really on point for what we talk about here on the podcast. Um, we've had some guests who are sort of similar in a similar space to you, but uh, you have a little bit more of a niche that we think is really interesting related to composting um, and and you know being able to compost. Uh, food packaging. So I'm not going to tell everybody what you do. I'll, I'll save that for you. But before we get started talking about Better Earth and your mission, talk a little bit about you personally. Tell us who is Savannah, your background, and how you ultimately came to join the team at Better Earth. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it's my pleasure to do so. And as I mentioned, just so excited to be here with you. Um, so in terms of how I got to Better Earth, it was a bit of a circuitous path. Uh, you now have the pleasure of hindsight <laughs> looking back. But, you know, as a child, I might not have um, seen myself navigating here, but it all makes sense. All the you know puzzle pieces came together. I think I was first inspired by, uh, you know, my parents, both of my parents were public servants. My father was a Coast Guard captain. So I would witness firsthand when my father would have to be deployed overseas uh, to respond to fossil fuel spills, you know, oil spills, and have to do those types of cleanups. Um, Further, he would come home with stories around uh, global you know, plastic pollution on these beautiful Caribbean beaches, right? That um, food service packaging was just piling up um, on the sand. And those were visceral images to me, both of those things. But at that time, you know, I couldn't really connect those dots. I ultimately found myself focusing in sustainability um, and environmental sciences, and that led me to environmental policy. I went to graduate school at Columbia, um, School of International Public Affairs for Environmental Science and policy, and ultimately found myself um, working on urban agriculture campaigns for the city of Atlanta for a bit. And then after that, um, landed uh, with a documentary film team. (laughs) As I mentioned, it's a circuitous path. And so you might be familiar with um, some of their films, such as The Social Dilemma, which is most recently, as well as Chasing Coral. Those are both Netflix originals, and they both have big stories to tell. And in Chasing Coral, it was a big climate change story where we experienced a massive coral bleaching event. And a lot of what my job was to take that big story and that big problem and distill it down to communities, especially in the American Southeast, and communicate why that story would matter to them. 
how that would impact them, something that felt so far away, and how he could help mobilize and take action and change policy. And I loved that work and I really loved what I was doing, but I wanted to do more. And that's where the gears started turning around food service packaging. You know, we all eat three times a day. <laughs> it's something that is so visceral. Sometimes so more, Savannah. Speak for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> fair, fair. Um, it's, it's, it's visceral. It's something that all of us have our hands on. And, you know, through circumstance, I, I connected with Joseph Build, Better Earth CEO, and that led me on a path uh, to Better Earth. Awesome. Well, that is really cool. I, we obviously spoke before this, and I uh, didn't know the details about the documentary film crew. So I've written down Chasing Coral because I have not seen oh, that one. Yes. And I will definitely add that to the list, always looking for good things to watch. So I appreciate that. So um, you told us how you got here. Let's start with just the elevator pitch on Better Earth. What do you all do? Happy to. So at Better Earth, we are a sustainable food service packaging company and we're on a mission to make sustainability accessible. Oftentimes it feels so inaccessible, right? Um, so we're on a mission to make sustainability accessible within the food service industry. But more than that, we're really trying to make regenerative circularity achievable. So I want to pull back because regenerative circularity can be a bit of a wonky term. <laughs> and so what I mean by that, and what I mean by that as it relates to our world, is we envision um, a future where nothing is wasted, right? Within the value chain that we operate in, where nothing is wasted and we're we have the ability to revitalize and regenerate um, the systems around us. So from the fields where the plants that ultimately make up our packaging grow to the food service establishments um, where our stuff is enjoyed, back to the fields where our composters served. So, you know, replenishing and revitalizing local economies through growing local jobs, um, supporting carbon sequestration all around, and helping address public health concerns um, through more safe and sustainable packaging. As we know, um, plastic packaging has a myriad of different um, public health concerns, with the most recent being that we are swallowing up to a credit card's weight in microplastics each week. So um, at Better Earth, as I mentioned, we are, are trying to make regenerative circularity achievable from field to fork to field. Yeah. And if you listen to our podcast regularly, you'll understand why I opened with this being such a fitting topic. And you'll know that I'm geeking out about getting to, to chat with you and learn about your company. I love field to fork to field. Um, I, that really stuck with me. And really appreciate you sort of, you know, describing what regenerative circularity means to you and to the company. I think everybody has a little bit of a different take on what that means, but I don't think I could have said it any better. So you, you really are focused, though, in the food service industry. And talk about why that is really the focus and why it's so important. Absolutely. So the food service industry presents a big problem as well as an even bigger opportunity. <laughs> so the food service industry, um, recent reports have shown that food and the industry around it uh, contributes up to a quarter of all global greenhouse gas emissions. It's a pretty notoriously wasteful space. Um, however, when you look at that, you can see the bad, right? We can see um, exacerbating environmental problems, 
However, if you really lean into that industry, that means that we have the opportunity to unlock what would have been that quarter of global greenhouse gas emissions and reverse and draw that down, right? So that even bigger opportunity. So at Better Earth, you know, what we continue to do is really lean into education and advocacy and creating access, right? So creating access to plant-based and compostable food service packaging and supporting um, the food service industry and really closing that loop and connecting them to local composters to help um, break down um, and, you know, create a circular um, circular environment for the packaging and food waste. Very cool. And this plant concept of plant-based has been very popular. It's certainly a buzzword kind of in the industry. Um, and especially in the last, I don't know, two, three, four, five years is your packaging. So you mentioned plant-based food service packaging. Is it really a hundred percent plant-based? Is it partially plant-based? Um, talk about that. It's a great question. And I'm sure that's something many consumers are navigating on a daily basis when they see these different labels in the grocery store. Um, you know, people want sustainable packaging. So marketers know that and and are creating confusion with so much of the different vocabulary that's out there. We call that greenwashing. So yes, at Better Earth, our products are 100% plant-based, but I want to elaborate further on that too. Um, we're not just 100% plant-based. Uh, we are third-party certified to be commercially compostable. Um, so this is a certification that consumers can see and understand and know that that claim is backed by those third-party accreditations. That's good to know. And I think you're right. There, there is... Definitely some greenwashing, uh, and I think just frankly confusion in the consumer, you know, from the consumer's side, as you know, people are continuing to be educated on what all these terms really mean. Um, you know, ever since I was a kid, um, the concept of recycling has been around, and I think only really recently, as a country, have we gotten you know, pretty good, I would say, decent. There's always room for improvement at recycling. But so now we're starting to ask folks to compost their food. And uh, that's a new habit that consumers have to learn, right? And it's not something that can happen overnight. But talk a little bit about some of these terms that we see. We see biodegradable, we see compostable, we see recyclable. Help educate our listeners and viewers about these terms and what they really mean? I'd be happy to. So with uh, biodegradable, that's definitely a buzzword. Um, however, I might break some hearts here, but I'm biodegradable. My headphones are biodegradable. My cell phone is biodegradable. Uh, hmm. The term has no time limit, right? And how long it will take that thing to biodegrade. Uh, whereas compostable is a legally bound term. So in, in our case, commercially compostable means that an item must be third-party certified to break down in 90 to 180 days in that commercial composting environment where the temperature, the heat, the pressure, and moisture are all in the right spaces to break it down. And that item will leave no toxicity to the soil. Okay, so 90 to 180 days, that's pretty fast. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And no toxicity to the soil, 
means just having no negative impact on the soil. Is that a fair? No, yeah, it's a great, it's a great question, and it's something that is um, tested in a lab as well. So um, when we say no toxicity in the soil, I mean that our packaging is third-party lab tested to ensure that there are no heavy metals and no added fluorine in that BPI or CMA certified packaging. Um, BPI being Biodegradable Products Institute, or CMA being Compost Manufacturers Alliance. Got it. Okay, really interesting, and. Um... Talk about why it's so important to focus on compostable product development, I guess, in the composting space versus recyclable. Because um, to me, I see a lot of, I guess, I get confused as to, you know, if I have a compostable mailer that comes, something from Amazon comes in a compostable mailer isn't it better actually to recycle that as opposed to compost it? And I, I think you're really a good person to kind of talk about that balance that a compost really requires as opposed to, you know, recyclable cardboards and things. Because my understanding is that cardboard is really quite recyclable uh, and perhaps a better use for, you know, a mailer that some product from Amazon comes in might be to recycle that. So I, that was a really loaded question. I probably should have been more concise in asking that, but talk a little bit about the the focus on compostable, I guess, versus recyclable and, and why it's important to your business. Mm-hmm. No, it's an important question. And you know, as we think about transitioning towards this regenerative circular economy, you're going to need all tools, right? So there's going to be areas where there are items that are designed for recyclability. Um, and there are product streams where that type of technology is most important. You know, if we pull back and think about um, the true definition of a circular economy, the Ellen MacArthur Foundation is really the leading uh, source here. And when they look at the circular economy, their graph actually has two big concentric circles where they have the mechanical cycle and they have the bio cycle. So the mechanical cycle is for all of those items that are best suited to serve. Um, let's think about plastics, aluminums, um, you know, within that standard mechanical recycling stream that we're all very familiar with today. Um, but what you are continuing to see a growth of is this bio cycle. So I bring this up because both should be happening at the same time. Um, we are gonna need all hands on deck in order to create that future that we envision. So in some cases, um, that recycled product is is best suited. Um, I will say that it, it's still pretty tricky um, to recycle thin film plastic. So that is an area I believe that's still ripe for innovation. Is it a bioplastic? Is it something else? You know, I that's not my area of expertise. But um, there are certainly areas where recyclability is critical. Like aluminum, you know, is one of the highest recyclability. Right. Same with cardboard. Um, there are clear case studies there. And what I'm excited about is the continued growth of the bio cycle and things flowing through that system as well. And an area where um, we really can and should be leaning into the bio cycle 
is in the food space. So answering your question around what what um, innovations are best suited where the food industry um, and where we're where we're cycling food waste through a system, that's where compostables um, really can help address and grow that system. So you will see that the Biodegradable Products Institute, which is the leading third party certifier of compostable packaging in the United States, they only certify packaging that supports food. Um, and that's because they believe that compostables are best, you know, best served to support that system. Um, and so to elaborate a little bit further, there's really, there's two big benefits that compostables can offer the composting system. Um, the first is that compostable packaging really helps increase participation and access to the composting system. What I mean by that is, you know, that peanut butter jar, right? And where we're, when you have that pesky food left in, you know, that's a contaminant in the recycling stream. Um, whereas in the composting system, that is nutrient gold. And that, that person doesn't have to take an item off. They don't have to scrub. All they have to do is dump that um, compostable item with that, that pesky food waste in it into their composting bin and it can move forward with their, you know, can move forward. And that composter will be so excited <laughs> to have more of that uh, organic material in their pile. Um, and as the consumer, I'll be excited because it'll be less time cleaning out the plastic at my sink, right? <laughs> yes, less time, less water used, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, and um, one study that I recommend, the Food Service Packaging Institute and BPI recently posted this exciting study called Compostable Chicago that indicated that when you have those right operating conditions in a food service establishment and have 100% compostable packaging in that front of house space, um, it truly does help create more access and participation um, among um, participants and dramatically reduces contamination. The second um, benefit that compostal packaging offers is that, you know, for those that aren't as familiar with composting, it's a bit of a, um, I would say, a, a science experiment. You know, it's, it's a, there's chemistry involved in composting. You have to balance your greens and your browns, um, and that balance is really important for creating that finished product. So compostable packaging actually provides really important carbon material to help support that overall composting process. Really great explanation and, and so important, I think, um, you know, to kind of educating folks as to where it's important and where it's not. And I think looking for that BPI, Biodegradable Products Institute label, is definitely important. I didn't know about uh, them being the certifier prior to meeting you, so I will definitely keep keep on the lookout for that. I appreciate that. So talk a little bit about what the types of plant you, plants you use. I'm fascinated. What are your products actually made out of? Yes, so we focus on really renewable plant-based substrates. Um, so we use bamboo, which can grow up to three feet a day. Um, and we also use the byproduct of the sugarcane product process called um, bagasse. Um, and, you know, in terms of additional materials that we use, uh, we also have a uh, network of over 60 farmers that grow native and perennial uh, southeastern crops. Uh, think switchgrass 
grass, sorghum, and miscanthus to help comprise our farmer's fiber collection. Um, I am incredibly excited about this initiative, um, and we've been you know, dabbling in our life cycle assessment. We're still in the early stages of that life cycle assessment for that product line where we're understanding, you know, the carbon footprint um, for that full product line. And our early analysis has shown that across that agricultural process, uh, that process is literally carbon negative because these native perennials continue to sequester carbon uh, through their root systems. And uh, a recent excavation showed that these root systems can grow over 12 feet deep um, under the ground. So really exciting stuff. That's so cool. So you're working with 60 or, or more farmers to help grow grasses that or, or native um, yeah. plants that go into your products. That's, that's so cool. Does your company, I, I presume you actually are out working with the farmers, signing up new farmers. Um, how, how big could that get? Yes. Um, so it's an exciting project in partnership with our manufacturing partner um, over in Tennessee. And uh, it's, you know, a project that's still just in its beginning. So uh, we feel that, you know, right now uh, that's the current network um, across the southeast. But we truly see this as an opportunity to grow and continue to create hyper regionalized um, growing networks around the United States using perennial crops uh, native to those regions. Um, you create uh, hyper-localized manufacturing facilities right near there and truly create a very climate-smart um, product. And can the farmers, uh, I guess, produce carbon credits by participating in that program? Yes, this is something that we have looked into. So uh, we're in the early stages of exploring the opportunity to further incentivize our, our farmer partners um, and uh, through the ecosystem services that they are providing. So while it's a program that we have not launched yet, it's definitely something that we're looking into. Very cool. I'll be interested to hear how that progresses. Um, thank you for, for elaborating more on that. Yeah. Okay, so... Shifting gears a little bit, and this is where the, you know, picky consumer in me uh, has to ask some questions. Talk about quality. Um, and I, I think there is, you know, you think of the the paper straws that kind of disintegrate in your coffee drink before your iced coffee drink before you're done drinking it. And while, yes, I fully recognize that is better for the environment. It's not a better experience, right? Talk a little bit about, um, you know, quality and are, are, are you having to sacrifice quality uh, as a consumer by using one of your products as, a as opposed to say plastic? Yes, great question. Um, you should not in in 2023 have to sacrifice quality when you were choosing between an unsustainable virgin plastic or styrofoam versus a sustainable compostable product. Um, I will say that now. <laughs> and don't even get me started on styrofoam because there's no worse <laughs> experience, in my opinion, than eating food out of styrofoam where you can literally see the styrofoam breaking apart and going into your mouth. So 
we can just set styrofoam aside. Uh, but I, yeah, I had to mention that. It always drives me crazy when people serve food in styrofoam. So sorry, I interrupted you. No, you're good. I appreciate your passion and echo it. <laughs> um, so, you know, with compostable packaging, it, it is still a nascent industry, right? Um, Single-use plastics have been around for over 50 years and have continued to expand scale and efficiency. Uh, compostable packaging is truly hitting its strides um, over this past decade, and you are continuing to see innovations come up. Uh, you know, going Back to that mission that I was mentioning earlier, right, around making sustainability accessible. Uh, when you pull apart the term accessibility, right, there's some key variables there. And in order for something to be accessible for, uh, for a customer, for a partner, you need to ensure that it, it hits the right price, that this is something that people can afford um, and that this is something that people will use and enjoy. So these are key variables within our innovation process uh, when we're thinking about uh, our product line and how we can best service our customers. Um, so in terms of quality, you know, experience is a core value at Better Earth. And um, you, we, we think often about that, you know, golden 30 minutes um, after food is plated on packaging. Um, we literally run tests where we will go to the food service establishment, get the food in it, and then drive it back, you know, and simulate the experience that all of us would have in our lunch run on a daily basis. Um, and we, we explore um, heat uh, and humidity um, and how those variables are interacting. And we actually have, you know, internal studies that have proven in terms of moisture control and heat retention that compostable packaging really wins out um, over the unsustainable alternatives because of those natural properties that it has. So um, for that uh, incredible innovation, and you're going to continue to see further innovation and in manufacturing capabilities too. So if you think about compostable packaging and where it started, you can really think back to the egg carton, you know, the, the fluffy sure. uh, fiber mold for egg cartons. And then if you think about today and the type of technology that's at our disposal, um, you can see really strong durability. You can see products that are handling extremely high heat um, and can support both um, clear solutions um, as well as, um, you know, many different performance metrics to best support that operator's needs. So uh, the technologies abound and it's continuing to expand. So as we have this conversation, personally, I'm thinking about a Chipotle bowl. That to me is, and you mentioned the egg carton, which is obviously another great example where have I actually held or experienced one of your products? Who are some of your customers uh, that you can share with our listeners and viewers? Yeah. So Better Earth, uh, we are a international you know, food service uh, packaging company. So you can see our products across the United States, Canada, um, the Caribbean, as well as the UK. Uh, so we're uh, pretty um, uh, you know, geographically spaced and we support a wide variety of um, you know, multi-unit chains, um, as well as schools, hospitals, amusement parks. Um, and then in terms of 
of some names for different viewers that are, you know, listening in from different areas. If you're in the Southeast, you might have experienced us at The Daily, which is an awesome coffee shop here. Stop, Think, Chew. Um, also in the Midwest, you know, we have Roti um, and Sweet Leaf, uh, Waffle Love. Um, and then in um, the Bay Area, if you've ever been through the San Francisco airport, you'll experience us at Equator Coffee. Um, they have locations all around the Bay Area as well. And um, then here in Atlanta, uh, the Garden Room, um, right here in the St. Regis, um, they've been an incredible partner and a closed loop partner of ours. Awesome. Thank you for sharing those. And uh, so pivoting again, we've gone from field to fork. Let's go <laughs> back to the field. Talk about your work with the composters, because my understanding is you are directly involved with, you know, sort of the end of um, end of the chain, if you will, with the composters. Talk about what that looks like for Better Earth. Yes. And it starts, you know, everything that we do, we're doing with the composter in mind, right? They are a critical stakeholder and partner alongside that farmer um, in all of our product innovation and and work. Um, it's critical to our, our value proposition of being a closed loop solution. So uh, in terms of our engagement with composters, we have a partner advocate who actually comes from the composting industry and she continues to nurture and expand relationships with composters in all the different areas where we serve. Um, so a lot of what we do is engaging and connecting with composters, supporting composters, and helping grow composting infrastructure. So we were recently on a call um, with a county commissioner to help connect him with our composting network to help support growing composting within their area. Um, and then further, uh, we engage you know, with broader industry groups to help support and lobby for greater access to composting infrastructure. Right now is an exciting time within this space. There's a whole bunch of momentum. Um, we have in um, Congress right now a bill that could offer over $2 billion uh, towards grant funding in growing composting infrastructure. It's called the Compost Act. Um, it had some momentum last year, but fell through. So um, we're really hoping for bipartisan support um, for pushing that forward. And there's also the farm bill that is on the table this year. And we believe there could be amazing opportunity for composting to be included in that as well. Very cool. That's that's interesting to know. Um, you do a lot of research and development and you mentioned everything you do is kind of with the composters in mind, but give us a little bit of insight as to how your products are, are developed. Absolutely. And so I bring up composters, you know, our product always start with the end of life in mind and ensuring that whatever product innovations that we're bringing to market really truly help address a, a problem within that composting process, right? That offer a solution, a sustainable solution um, within our value chain. And so uh, when you start with the end in mind, you really have that strong foundation for your beginning. And then from there, we really analyze the partners in the value chain um, between the beginning to the end and um, engage with operators um, that's critical to the success of the product um, and is truly a major variable um, in in scalability. So, um, you know, in terms of those key partners, it's really thinking about our farmers, right? And what substrates are available and performance 
um, that substrate can offer, the critical needs of our operators in terms of what performance is needed, what applications will this uh, support, and then going back to the composter around how how will this break down, how will this support further end of life um, and circularity, and then you know once all of those pieces of the puzzle are brought together, it's also understanding our logistics and distribution community to really think about the most effective and low impact way of transporting and storing this product, because that alone can be a large contributor to um, to greenhouse gas emissions as well. So we really try and think through the most efficient way of packing and transporting that product. Awesome. Well, I agree with you. I, I think this industry seems to really be hitting its stride. I think we're still really early days. I mean, just thinking about um, composting being that it's not in the farm bill, right? And uh, one of our largest pieces of federal legislation that gets repassed every, I don't know, is it four or six years? Um, and and so thinking about that, it, it does really seem like we are kind of early days here and starting to really hit a stride. Um, I really look forward to following along with Better Earth and and some of the other folks that we've had on the podcast as well, if you're listening and you're interested in this episode, go check out KC Can Compost. They're a local um, company here in Kansas City who has set up some amazing infrastructure to bring more access um, to composting to, to our citizens here in Kansas City um, and around the metro area. Also think of Eco Enclose, who's more on the sustainable packaging side for kind of everything besides food service. I don't, they might do some food service, but sustainable mailers and things like that. So if folks are interested in this topic, go check out some of our other episodes. And um, you all have, Better Earth has um, a series of webinars I think that folks can check out called Compost Conversations. I love the name. Uh, so make sure you hop onto Better Earth's website and check those out as well. We'll make sure there's links in the show notes so that everybody has access. So in the spirit of kind of being early days, my final question, which I ask a lot of people, what are you most excited about as you sort of think toward the future and the opportunity that Better Earth has? You're right that it's just the beginning. You know, there is so much potential and so much opportunity. And as I look at the landscape before us and the momentum that we are seeing, I think what excites me the most is continuing to help empower others see themselves in this movement um, and continue to make massive impacts towards these urgent environmental goals that are ahead of us. So I, I think that we're, you know, only hitting, we're hitting the ground running and there's so much more to do. And I really believe that we will be looking back and um, smiling as we think about, you know, in the future, the amazing access that we will all have to composting infrastructure, um, to how effortless it will be for all of us to get sustainable packaging and food into our bin and leave it outside our door um, and really helping address some of these major environmental problems. So, and just want to emphasize too, thank you so much for the time uh, to have this conversation. I've really enjoyed it. 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I can't thank you enough. I'm I'm um, honored to have made your acquaintance, and I really mean it. I look forward to following all along with Better Earth, and maybe you'll come back on the show next season and and give us an update as to how things are going. Uh, Savannah, it's been really great to to meet you and get to know about your company. Um, so we will wrap it up there. Uh, oh, are you on LinkedIn, Twitter? Are you a, Do you tweet a lot? Are you a good follow? Let our listeners and viewers know how to follow you online. Yes, yes. You can follow me at, at Savannah M. Seidel. Um, so that's S-E-Y-D-E-L. Um, across social media platforms, I'm not the best person on Twitter, but I'm certainly... <laughs> I'm certainly on LinkedIn and, and other platforms. Please, please connect with me. Um, and Better Earth can be followed too um, across all platforms at, at BE Compostable. Awesome. Be Compostable. I love it. Well, it's been a pleasure to get to know you, Savannah. Thank you again for coming on your show. And a huge thank you, as always, to our listeners and viewers who continue to tune in and make this podcast a success. Uh, We're in season three. We have a lot of really cool episodes coming up. So make sure you hit that follow button so you don't miss an episode in the future. This has been another episode of Renewables. I'm your host, David Smart, Chief Commercial Officer at Biostar Renewables, and we'll see you in a couple weeks. Thanks. Hello, and thank you for listening to Renewables, a podcast by Biostar, which aims to explore the current and future energy landscape in America. 